Life Radio. Stories at the intersection of music and life. Welcome to another episode of Music Life Radio. I am your host, Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com, and it features interviews and stories about and related to music. Tenor opera singer Ben Bongers returns to Music Live Radio and speaks with Eric Core about his adventures while performing in China. The winner of Chinese Idol, yes, the Chinese version of American Idol, had heard Ben singing in San Francisco and wanted him to come to China to share the stage with her. The performance was held in the Bird's Nest, which is a former Olympic venue, and was broadcast to over one billion people. Ben talks about his experience, which includes meeting the president of China in a German beer hall. Sit back and enjoy another exciting episode of... Music Live Radio, this one entitled, Ben Goes to China. Welcome to Music Live Radio. My name is Eric Kaur and I'll be your host today. And tonight we'll be talking to Ben Bongers, opera singer world traveler, and so much more. So Ben recently got back from what I believe to be a pretty amazing trip in China, and that's going to be the focus of our conversation today. So let's just start. How did you get the offer and explain what the offer was, if you would? The offer came from a friend of a friend. Um, Basically, I do not know Lydia's name. I I never did find out her Chinese name. Uh, everybody in China seems to have a Western name and then what their Chinese name is. Uh, so we'll just call her Lydia for now. She was actually a winner for the American Idol or a Chinese Idol. Uh, and she actually lived and studied here in San Francisco at the conservatory. And one of her teachers was a good friend of mine. She had seen and heard me do several shows here in San Francisco and abroad and liked my voice and asked a friend of a friend, if I was available to come and do a concert in China. Well, it's pretty amazing that, just to think that something so, ha- kind of one of the, have you ever heard the term happenstance? Absolutely. That's it exactly what it was. In that category. Yeah, absolutely. That's so exactly you, what it was. So had you met her before this, or she no. had just heard you sing? I met her once I hit China on the second day. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so she basically got you in contact with people, set everything up, and you were... Everything was set up by producers of Chinese Idol. Uh, very high production quality, very high production values. Um, we brought our own tuxedos and our own formals and that type of thing for the performances. But since she was the Chinese Idol winner, they supplied all costume changes, all costumes. I don't think she had one costume that was under $10,000. She wore 12 different costumes during the show. Now, to give people an idea of the scope of this, this was... This was filmed at the Bird's Nest, right? That's where yeah, you were, this was at the were live in, yeah, in front of a full egg. audience at the Olympics Bird's Nest Stadium. Correct. And then approximately how many people do you think were, were viewing that, that Well, night? that was the funny part. I asked, okay, so this is going to be on TV. Yes. Okay, so how many people? Oh, anywhere from two to two and a half. 
is what I was told. Right. Okay. So I'm in a typical American. I'm like, oh, okay, one and a half, two and a half million people. Oh, no, no, no. Billion with a B. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So that rings a little bell and says, don't screw up. Don't yeah. screw up. Whatever you do, don't screw up. Yeah, that, that's kind of the platinum recording of live performances right there. Yeah. They should have given you a, a platinum record or something to take home with that. Or Yeah, exactly. Well, it's really funny because I'm going to go uh, in April. Let me think. No, yeah, April this month or this year to France uh, for 10 days. And I'm going to do a concert over there. And I was talking to the one of the producers of it today. And he was like, well, you know, it's going to be a really large venue. I mean, it's a, it's a big place. It's like 25,000 people you're going to be singing for. I'm like, yeah, piece of cake. Trust me. Really? Seriously? 25,000 piece of cake? Yeah. After China? Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of, you've been to the top of the mountain there. For oh real. yeah. So. Literally and or figuratively. Cool. So w I remember you getting ready to go to this and this yeah. was not preparing for a normal concert and by oh, normal no. concerts you're used to playing all over europe all over the united states correct and so can you give people an idea of what it took to actually prepare for this and why you had to do some of the preparation that you did well first off it's it's a live tv production uh which has every kind of time element it has every cultural element it has every score element as far as what the orchestra can play has music for so on and so forth so we got a general idea of, well, you're going to sing about 35 to 40 minutes worth of music. Okay, what do you want us to sing? Well, we're not sure about that yet. It will just be on hold. Be ready to sing something. Okay. How long did they have you on hold? Six months. Wow. Okay. <laughs> when did you actually find out what it was you'd be singing? Uh, well, actually the second concert, 10 minutes before. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those kind of deals. We Can knew you at least the, get a teleprompter on that one. Oh uh, no. Oh no. No. Oh, and really? it was in Chinese. That was the best part. Oh. Uh, it's like, oh, my <laughs> Mandarin is just right up there. Top notch. Thanks. No, I'll pass. Uh, no, we had the general idea of what they wanted us to do and do duets and quartets and that type of thing. Those were the first things that came through. And we found out about a month and a half ahead. Then we got into the solo work and we gave them a list of what we typically do. They said, okay, we're going to do three of these. Now, now, we there is a... Uh, sorry, we would be the Chinese government as well as the producers of the actual show itself. Okay, okay. Uh, once we found out, okay, yes, we would definitely like you to do this and this and this, it changed three times. And it was still in flux right up until two days before the first show. Now, just so people have an idea, tell me what a contract with, say, German, if you were going to perform in Germany, would be like, to, to, just to compare the difference. Yeah, German concert contract is, we're going to do this, you're going to do this, and you know two years in advance, period. And exactly what's in the contract is pretty much exactly what will happen to the letter, yes? To the letter, yes, so, absolutely. And this was kind of a constant flux of negotiations? It was an in, it was a very interesting time a more fluid. yeah it was uh, <laughs> kind of like a rushing river most of the time and you were going upstream you were the salmon uh it negotiating with chinese in general is everything is going to be in flux at all times there is no such word as no you can hear yes or you will hear maybe but you will never hear the word no no and we found out from our translator that Saying no is basically an affront. We never want to make an affront. You lose face. Exactly. Yeah. So 
by our fourth day, we just about duct taped him to a door and said, we will force you to say no at some point. We really will. We will make sure you say no. If we mean no, we mean no. And if they mean no and say maybe, just tell us no. Right. He kept saying maybe. So we had to duct tape him. That's all. But if you, at least if you understand the maybe is no, at least you're halfway there. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a half no. no so. And we would actually say, is this a half maybe or a three-quarter maybe? <laughs> well, it may be a seven eighths, maybe. Okay, that's all we needed. We just oh, need we need we need a range. Give yeah. us a range of gray on this. But uh, we we were literally in negotiations right up until the time of concert. Wow. Yeah, it was in, it was very interesting. Which for somebody who's used to playing a, a, with lockdown negotiations, that's kind of I would assume that added a little extra stress to things. Well, yeah, especially when the soprano that was the winner was like, oh no, I want you to do this version of La Traviata. And we're doing the big scene where where uh, the next to the last act, uh, Alfredo comes running in and sees Violetta, didn't realize she was so sick. Oh dear, oh dear, you're so sick, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, okay, it's a concert. We're going to be standing here and singing this and emoting. Well, little did I know, no, we weren't going to be just standing there and emoting. She wanted to do it with acting. Okay, I'm an actor. I can do that. But she wanted to do it off of a particular videotape that she saw on YouTube. Oh, no. <laughs> of Domingo doing it in exactly this way. And we had to copy it to the letter for her. Oh, my God. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a body shape of Domingo. I don't act like Domingo. And Domingo doesn't act like this because this was done in the 1970s. Oh, wow. So it's not going to happen like that. Oh, she absolutely refused to believe that. It just had to be that way. Needless to say, it, it morphed into something else after we got her right. to relax and realize that she can do other things and stick strictly to what a videotape says. I can see where that'd be a bit of a challenge. Yeah. So I remember also you had to go through a, a series of, of, of medical related things to wow. prepare for this. And yeah, that was interesting because uh, first of all, we went to the Chinese consulate. Now going to the Chinese consulate is like going to Chinatown on Chinese New Year and you are the firecracker vendor. It is insane. There are people everywhere there's no line there's no idea of what's going on so one of the guards pulls me off to the side after i'd been sitting there for four hours and he said yeah you know what don't come back until tomorrow at two o'clock i'm like why tomorrow at two o'clock he goes because everybody gets here in line at 6 a.m everybody's everybody just waits all day everybody waits all day Everybody's done by 1.45. There's nobody in line at two <laughs> o'clock he said don't be typically chinese be an american come late <laughs> like great you're like but i'm a midwesterner i but have to be here early. exactly i have to it's part of my dna he's like no no no. come back at two o'clock tomorrow you'll walk right up to the window sure enough i came back after sitting five hours the right. first day came back two o'clock the next day walked right up to the window no problem so they give you your visa application they give you all the stuff they say okay fill this out bring it back okay i'll just bring it back tomorrow oh no 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 here's a tag go ahead sign up for a day to bring back your visa application Okay, so I did all that. Then they give you a list of what shots you need, what pills you need to take, all of these things. I took 23 shots, all totaled. I remember at one point, even I was storing some, I mean, you had an yeah. overflow of stuff that yeah. you were 
It was crazy. I, I had I now had this was this wasn't just because you were going in the cities though. This is because you were going deep into the countryside. We were going into the countryside, and again, being very amorphous, we were not told whether we were going to go to a farm to do promo shots. We weren't told if we were going to the Great Wall to do promo shots, if we were going to the Holy Mountain to do in so stand in the street you for anything and everything. Anything. Right? Okay. We could have been ankle deep in cow dung for all we knew and in our tuxes doing promo shots. We had no idea. We had no clue. So we had rabies shots. We had diphtheria shots. We had rubella. We I remember had, you weren't feeling too hot at one point either. Oh man, I had a, I had a series of 12 different vaccines in two shots in one day and thought I was going to die. It was wow. just, the whole body was like, what are you putting in me? Yeah, it was ugly. It was nasty. Wow, that's pretty rough. So how, how long did it take from, from getting offered the contract to actually getting over there, all the stuff you had to go through? Offered contract was seven months to actually walking off plane. Okay. Uh, the um, Tell me what happened when you got off the plane. Cause that, wow, that was, that was eye-opening. I, in fact, I still have a picture of it. Uh, we got off the plane. It was in Beijing where you landed, yes? We landed in all Beijing. Right. Landed in Beijing. It was November 1st that we actually landed in Beijing. We walked off the plane. We walked up the gangway. It was like, wow, it's awfully dark around here. Well, you know, it should be nighttime, I guess. We were just landing. We didn't really know what time it was. We hadn't looked at the clock or anything else. And we looked up above a plane next to ours, and we saw a street light. You know, just one of the typical halogen lights. Until we realized it wasn't a halogen light. That was the sun. Oh, you're kidding. No. What we, time of day were you there? 5 o'clock p.m. So what time does sunset there? Uh, it was a sunset of around 6, 6.30. Okay. And wow. it was like. So it was just uh, a smog. It was smog. We could not see through it. Wow. Then we actually walked into the airport itself and looked out. It's a, it's a very large Quonset style building and you look a good quarter mile long. And you look from one end to the other, and the entirety is dank with fog and smog hanging inside the building. Oh, you're kidding. No. It, you actually see the air you breathe. Wow. Did that impact your voice while you were over there? Absolutely. Yeah. We all had sore throats within the first 15 minutes and kept them the entire time. It took about two and a half, three hours in the air flying out of country before the sore throats oh my went God. away. I'm, I'm actually feeling, I'm not kidding, I'm feeling a tickle yeah. in my throat yeah. just hearing that, it sounds. Yeah, and it was it was constant. I mean, I've, I've had to sing around cigarette smoke in a bar, but this sounds oh, like. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I'll I, take I just that can't even day. imagine what this would be. <laughs> I mean, because especially the type of thing you're doing, you're doing the full lung. Yeah. Full capacity and yeah, it's full deep lung breathing. Yeah, so I mean, if you don't have real air to breathe, <laughs> right? Well, it was it was very unusual because even the limousine ride from the airport to the hotel to the first hotel, you'd be driving along and there would be somebody squatting on a sidewalk with a little fire, an actual little fire in the street right in front of them. Okay, out of coal. It was actually a coal oh, fire. Kidding. No, it was actually hard char, not charcoal. Like and a it's funny because I know that that's where they, fire. they use a lot of coal, but I, yeah. I'm thinking of, I've never seen anybody use coal for anything. They actually have these little coal wow. fires and they're doing, uh, if we were told at least, they were doing prayers of their ancestors with these little coal fires in the gutter on the street so that when it rained, it had just washed the coal dust away. Wow. But you just have this, this plume of, of, coal fire smoke rising from it 
Now, when you weren't outside and you were, say, in a limousine or in, in mm-hmm. the hotel, was the air processed enough that it was no. easier to breathe? No. It was, there were no screens on the windows. There was no actual air conditioning. There was a filtration system of any kind. It was just open the windows and fresh oh, air. wow. Yeah. Yeah, I figured there had to be some point of... Not a thing. Not oh a thing. No. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. It okay, was interesting. So that, that's major challenge number one. Yeah. So now tell me what happened. Because I remember you said when you actually got off the plane, what, when you hit customs. Customs. Customs was a trip. First of all, you walk quite a ways. You, you've been awake for quite some time. You've been on a 13-hour plane ride. And you hit the first barricade. Uh, and the first barricade is we're going to find out if you have a temperature or not. What, why is that? At the time, my guess is they do not want to allow anyone into the country that has flu, that has a fever of any kind. So you actually walk wow. through a machine. You walk through so a So you weren't machine. told this before you... No, no. We're not okay. told anything. Nothing. So we walk through a machine that looks like a, a metal detector, but it checks your temperature. Wow. And then okay. you make it through to the other side, and then you go to customs. Customs was interesting. Uh, we saw people literally being handcuffed and taken away. Just left and right. All, no all idea why. Or not just, a clue. Okay. Nope. Not a clue. Could have been for any, any thousand of reasons, but just, you know, yeah, we don't like you. Take you away. It was, it was interesting. Uh, and then we were like, okay, we are here kind of representing the government so on and so forth. And they were like, well, we see your visa. Let's take you over here. And we had this little special entourage or whatever you want to call it to take us out and around the actual normal customs going through. It was interesting. It was very strange. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a nice position to be in. It was nice. I I've I don't want to brag, but I've actually been in that position several times. And this was this is a little more interesting than normal because it's armed guards. Okay. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> where are we going? How welcoming. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you so much. I feel all warm and fuzzy right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to be somebody's doormat. As long as the guns aren't pointed towards you, it's probably not quite as bad. But, uh, yeah. But still, it's unnerving. Yeah, yeah it's a little unnerving. Probably yeah. felt like Texas. Uh, a kidding. lot. I, I uh, yeah, no, we Texas like Texas. We like so, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right, so... Is I, I'm curious. I mean, beyond uh, we, I, I think we've already hit some culture shock with oh, yeah. with with the air and the customs. But so you're there. What were some of the the main points of culture shock? I, I imagine well, there was quite a bit. At, at you go times. to you go to Britain, and a typical breakfast would be in Germany. You have wurst of some kind. You might have an egg. You have muesli. You have you know some yogurt product. England, you have a typical English or Irish breakfast, which is soft boiled egg or sunny side egg with sausage on the side. No, we had soybean curd with meat sauce. Or that was breakfast. That's it. Yeah. Or you have these things that look like chorizos, although they're deep fat fried bread fingers that are about a foot and a half long that you dip into the soybean curd. Oh. And it's hot or cold. They're your choices. It, it's funny because I, I think a lot of Americans think Chinese food, and we're so used to the, the style oh, wow. we have here in the Bay Area. That's yeah. we have amazing dim sum here, but that's all Southern Chinese food. So it has nothing to do with Northern Chinese. Even, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Northern Chinese will burn your nose hairs right out. It is so hot. Which it is, is the like, only defense you had against the smog. So. It was pretty much it. It was the only way we could clear our sinuses was actually sweating it out. Wow. Uh, no, it was interesting. I mean, the food culture was totally different than what we expected. Yeah. In fact, one of the singers, the the bass actually ended up bringing his own, basically, 
powdered formula food along with him because he just couldn't take the spice. Really? Did really? You, did seriously. you try the, the Peking duck at all? That, that's supposed uh, to be the specialty there. Yeah, no. No. Was uh, there anything in particular that you enjoy, really enjoyed food-wise? Uh, the, no. That you still can't believe you ate food wise. Oh, wow. Yeah. We had all kinds of stuff. We had rat, we had snake, we had scorpion, we had all the delicacies of the day. We had a cow hoof that was boiled, um, pig fetus, um, that all was pig of, feet, it's not pig feet, yes. Feet us, yeah. The, ah, okay. the, the little little tiny one inside, ah, okay, still okay. not quite fully produced. Um, chicken feet were everywhere. No chicken, just chicken feet. No, I've done chicken feet. It just it still doesn't grab me. Not so much. Uh, chicken beak, chicken comb, every part of the chicken, including some of the feathers, but not the actual meat. I don't understand it, huh. but they actually had chicken skin that was deep fat fried, almost like pork cracklings. Oh, that wasn't bad. Yeah. But then they took it and they basically buried it in red sauce. So it was like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> it was interesting. All right, all right. It was interesting. So, okay, so let's talk about the actual, what, some of the performance then is, uh, what was it like performing there? I mean, it, Performing there is a trip. The audiences are incredible. Very receptive, very open, very generous with applause and ovations. Just, just amazing. Uh, we did a quick rehearsal in uh, the egg. Okay. And this is a very large hall. This is probably a 35, 3600 seat house that's okay. just for the symphony. Wow. Uh, huge. Brand new, built for the Olympics. Uh, their, their National Symphony Orchestra is incredible. Rehearsals were a trip. They actually took us on military transport to a military facility with a military band in military uniform on the first day. And it was a it was an orchestra of probably eighty to ninety players. And everybody smoked in <laughs> rehearsal. <laughs> Big heavy duty cigarettes you could not see through the room. Uh, I'm getting flashbacks to to, to the the eighties and the nineties yeah. and Think of the smokiest bar you could possibly ever perform in, double it, and then give somebody a cello. Wow. Yeah, that, that, was, that was it. That was the orchestra. Can't so, even imagine the horn section. <laughs> oh, oh, man. We did see them actually blowing smoke out of the horn. It was, it was, that was actually a trip. That was actually kind of cool, fun, and really trippy. So by the second day, we actually had the soprano ask the conductor and the orchestra if they could refrain from smoking during rehearsal in the rehearsal hall. Oh, I, I really, this is... Oh, yeah, it's a trip, I'm my, telling you. My throat, you. as we're talking, is actually I, feeling scratchy. Closing up. There's a psychological thing that's happening here. Yeah. So then they would go on break, and they would smoke in the hallway, literally right outside the doors, leave the doors open so all the smoke would waft right back into the rehearsal space. So it was like a free cigarette, really. Oh, yeah, it was, oh, yeah. So I remember, do you remember in the United States at one point where we, we would have restaurants would be one half would be yeah. smoking and one be non-smoking i used that's to call it. it filtered and unfiltered yeah that's exactly so, it. That's the exactly smoking it. section at least they had filters the, the, the non-smoking section we were just cleaning the air for them so right. it sounds like that was your job yeah, that was it we, we were cleaners that's right we were we were the bottom dwellers that actually cleaned <laughs> the air for them that was us that was our job yeah no it was i mean it, but the orchestra itself was amazing they, so they were real talented and extremely extremely nice. 
they would watch you. They would breathe with you. They would actually look at everything you did and emulate and be there for you before you knew you were going to do something. Wow. It was on. It, that was um, they were impeccable. Now was the conductor fantastic. Chinese also then, or the conductor was uh, Chinese uh, who had worked a little bit in Philadelphia and around the world as, oh, okay. a, as a conductor. Um, so I'm assuming he spoke English and Mandarin. No. Okay. Just just Mandarin. But at least kind of culturally could gauge. He also. could gauge uh, he gauged us as and that was that was the interesting thing that really established they were musicians. Musicians read each other. Uh, you can walk into a room, not speak the language at all. Zero. But once you start performing together, it's an automatic read. You can read them, they can read you. You twitch an eyebrow in a certain way, or as you take a breath, they read how you take that breath, and they know exactly what you're going to do. You watch the baton of the conductor, or he'll raise an eyebrow or tweak his, tweak his elbow. You know exactly what he wants and how he wants it. It's, a, it's an unspoken language. Music is a language of its own, but it's something that everybody innately, innately feels and knows what you're going to do. And that was magical. The rehearsals were magical. The shows themselves were magical strictly for that purpose. So how many shows did you wind up performing over there? We did four, all okay. told, in a two-week period of time. And th- were they in different venues? or? Oh, yeah. We went. Uh, we did two in Beijing and two in Jinan. Now, I remember you said the, the publicity for this was just massive, too. It was, oh, it was unbelievable. We had... Now, was your picture as big as Mao or bigger than Mao's? As, as yeah. As, as, as and across the street which in is, Tiananmen Square. Really? Wow, yeah. that's impressive. I mean, that's... We had posters that were billboard size, uh, and they had them hanging from walls in Tiananmen Square across from, from uh, Forbidden City. However, we never really got to see them. We saw them doing 70 miles an hour, zipping right through. Uh, Take you back historically, there was a car bombing that happened right in that area of Tiananmen Square about two weeks before we arrived. Oh, okay. They really did not want any chance of an international incident having Americans there, having a car bomb blow up, or having anything happen to Americans on Chinese soil as basically a cultural envoy. So did you have security with you at all times then? We had uh, forms of security. We had um, translators who either had been in the Army or had some training. So we always had somebody... Somebody, A, that could translate for us, and B, that would either protect us or keep us in, basically wrangled us and keep us in a certain area. Right. Yeah. Uh, were there some things that you particularly enjoyed about the performances in, in general? I mean, there's something oh, that yeah. set it apart from oh, what yeah. you would experience. Yeah, the enthusiasm you- of the audience was just overwhelming. Just absolutely amazing. Because these people really don't see live Western music performances on this caliber ever. They yeah. just, they, they see it on TV. They might might see it every once in a while live, but they really don't have many Western performers or Westerners go there to perform in a Western musical style. Uh, there are operas performed, Western operas performed in Beijing, but the people themselves really don't know the stories. They don't know the music. Mm. They, they have their own culture. They have their own music, so they don't really listen to that very often. But it reminds me of the end of the Olympics when they were in Beijing and... England had Jimmy Page playing right. a whole lot of love. Right. And uh, but when I talked to people who were Chinese, they would go, 
who was that person? Why should we care? And exactly. For anybody in the in the states or in, in a lot of people in Europe, is like well, that's Jimmy Page, Led Zeppelin, and so exactly. I can see where there'd be a huge, huge well, bridge to cross there with that. We stuff. had we had that the last concert. Um, <laughs> talking about cultural issues, uh, last concert. I walk, you know, into the wing after doing one of the arias, and they go, "Oh, well." so-and-so is here okay well you should show him deference okay who is he he's the most known chinese operatic tenor in the world i had never heard of this guy i had no clue who he was uh, just short of 60s year old you know gentleman yeah. um spoke a little english oh you do a duet together Oh, they were um, having you do a duet. So you didn't know you were, is, this wasn't something you were expecting. No. Okay. They're like, oh, you guys, you need to do a duet together. We need to do a duet together. Wow. Uh, what are we doing? Oh, Solomio? What are we doing? Now, was he singing traditional Chinese opera or was he singing Western style opera? He was singing we Western could, style. Okay, because I was going to say the Chinese opera is so different. Oh, I would not even attempt it. I can't it. even imagine. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I would not even attempt that. That, that would be the ultimate culture clash that of, would, of music. That would so. not work. Yeah. So I, I've seen a couple of operas where they've tried to make it work. Western I, with I Chinese. Yeah, it would be so Actually, different. Amy Tan wrote uh, the book. Um, uh, it escapes me, but San Francisco Opera produced an opera based on her book, and they actually put Chinese opera with American style or with Western opera together. Not the best of all operas. No, I just not it, the best. I mean, they're just they're two different, completely different styles of music. I right, mean, they, right. even though we call them both opera, they're just they're radically different. So, right. So, did you wind up doing well, any singing with him? Or? No, uh, it was interesting because for about thirty minutes behind the scenes, here's the behind the scenes again. We were haggling. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. We want you to do this tune. Okay. What is this tune? Huh? You don't know this? Did this name of this tune? Right. No. Was we'll, it? We'll get you music. Was it a Chinese song? It was. A, it was okay. a Chinese song. Chinese national song. Oh, okay. I'm like, I've never heard this. Oh, we get you music. We get you words. Okay. Right. Well, they well, they walk up to me with something that was not music. It was just, it wasn't even notes. It was just, you know, chord symbols, basically. But the chord symbols were in Chinese character, and the words were in Chinese character. Oh, so they didn't even have it translated into, to, no, uh, was it pinyin? No, they had nothing. They had nothing. <laughs> I'm like, I can't read this. What? Well, you must know this song. I And they'd hum it for me. They'd play it on a little keyboard for me. I'm like, I have never heard this in my life. Well, you do the duet with him. Well, wait a minute. Well, you're telling me to do a duet that I don't know the music to, with a man I don't know. I don't even know what key we're singing this in. Wait a minute. So, so I'm assuming that didn't happen. No. I And basically, I was the ugly American at one point, four minutes before we were supposed to walk out together, going, no, I'm not doing this. So they this got behind was being me. negotiated all the way up to that point. Oh, yeah. This was a constant negotiation now, point. Now, did you get to hear him sing, though? Yeah, I got to hear him. I got to hear him sing it. Nice guy. Small voice. Yeah. Pretty. But I'd never heard the tune before. So they were literally behind me. Two people were behind me <laughs> trying to nudge me forward onto stage. And I'm like, guys, you don't just know. No, the, we're, I'm an rude American, I know, but I'm going to use the word. No, I'm not doing this. 
But well, it, and again, the sad thing is, is it could have been so embarrassing and awkward, and well, exactly, and exactly. it would have been so clumsy that it would have, it, it would have. I, I'm just imagining it turning into a Benny Hill episode, or something. oh yeah, it would have been. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm just it, imagining the, the the dancing ladies and and Monty Python 101. Something, yeah. yeah. It's just you know, it was, I would have been back behind him doing goose steps or something. Yeah, I, let, you me, know, just, let me show you the silly walk. Yeah, walk. exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly what I was contemplating. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, because yeah, no. you'd almost have to turn it into something silly. Just it has, and to. Hope, hopefully, he followed your lead on making it. So. Exactly, exactly. Well, I can see that. That's a rough position to be in. Yeah, it was different. It was very different. Yeah, you definitely want to roll with the punches when you go there. Yeah. So now you mentioned that you actually got to do, teach some master's classes yes. while you were there. Yes, we went down to Jinan. Uh, which is also a trip. I've done master classes before, which uh, for those that don't know, people that have been in the business a while, we know how to do these things. Now we get a chance, we get the chance to actually teach what we have learned to the new and upcoming singers. So we were told, okay, great, let's go do master classes. We'll start the classes in the morning. We'll have a little break in the afternoon. We'll, you know, teach into a little bit of early evening and we'll, we'll just go away okay great so our first master class typically in the united states will start around 10 11 o'clock this one started at eight <laughs> eight o'clock singing at operatic wow. style eight o'clock in the morning and we're like okay how how many students do we have or how how much time do we have to work with them well you have 10 to 15 minutes no so, more than that and i'm assuming this is one of their top vocal schools this is that, like the juilliard of yeah. yeah okay it's a big deal so we're like, okay, well, we have 10 to 15 minutes normally. These are going to be 20 to 30 minutes to work with the student, but okay, we'll, we'll see what we can get right. through 10 to 15 minutes. How many do we have? Well, we're going to work from 8 until noon. We'll go, we'll take a break from noon until 1230, and then we'll be back at it until 6. It's a long oh, wait, oh, wait a minute, hold it. How many students do you have? Oh, we have a few. So we walk into the hall. There's over 1,000 students sitting in the hall. This is for a master's class. This classes. is for a master class. This is like, How big is the school? Huge. The student body, the actual student body is over 100,000. And the music school is like 60,000. I'm trying to think if we even have a college in no, the United States. No, no. I, I mean, combined. I mean, we have colleges that are sixty or 70,000, and that's considered massive. But right, right. This to is have a music just school immense. just for that is... Yeah. Really, I mean, just it'd be like taking all of UCLA, USC, USF, and Berkeley, and turning them into one music school. Wow! Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty daunting. We got into the master's classes, and then we were like, "Well, okay, no offense, but we speak English. You speak Chinese. How do we communicate?" So did they have translators there for you? They or? had no idea how they were going to do that. Oh, that was <laughs> that up. was something they had not even contemplated. Wow, okay. It's like, well, you speak music, right? No, 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 no. So we thought, okay. Now, I, I just want to pause for a second. Is I, I've never seen music written in Chinese. I, I'm assuming they have a whole different set of n notes and scales and... Or do they... They is, learn the Western system. Oh, so the Western actually, system, is, it was, yeah. it's been kind of translated over there. And, yeah, they okay, actually so use the Western system. at least you have that in common. We did have the music system right, itself, right. but the language is the barrier. Oh, yeah, it's huge. Because we, as opera singers coming from the West, we learn the languages. We learn Italian. We learn the German. We learn the French. We right. understand the languages and typically can speak them. They don't. They listen to the sounds that are made and mimic the sounds. So if I say, caro mio ben, 
caro, dear one, mm. mio, mine, ben, a good, you're, you're the, my, my good, dear one. Right. They say, they hear caro mio ben and they hear caro mio ben. They have no idea what it means. Which is, it's, it, it's kind of funny because I've taken a couple of Mandarin courses and yeah. the hardest thing to learn in Mandarin is, is the tones of oh, the language. Yeah. So, ma is mother, I believe. Ma. Ma is to scold. Right. And then ma is horse and then ma is hemp. Right. And right. all those, are, and to, for most Western listeners, is that's almost imperceptible to hear. Right. Right. And so it's really interesting that that's a tonal language where the only tone we have is at the end of a question. Yeah. Unless exactly. you're doing upspeak, which is just annoying, but that's yeah, a whole other yeah. that's a whole other we issue. We talk about and, that. And yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> but I think it's really interesting to to have a tonal language and then not be able to but but the, but not the, to be able to use it when you're actually singing classically. Right, but right, the, I mean the key right. is if you don't know the emotion behind it, you really don't know where to lay the tone exactly. and the feeling and that exactly. so I can see where that would be a huge disconnect. Well, it was uh, I will say pretty uncategorically the Chinese are probably the best mimics as a populace I've ever seen in the world. They can mimic sounds or styles or whatever to 95% perfection but it's that last 5% that makes it authentic and unfortunately that in art is night and day that yeah. last 5% so we heard nice voice after nice voice after nice voice after nice voice that we felt nothing so we kept saying over and over and over to these kids but how do you feel what is the emotion that you're you're using in this right emotion what, what, now, this has nothing to do with the Did emotion. any of the students speak English? <clears throat> no. So what we, so what we did was... So finally translating? Well, this is... Don't tell me it was Google Translator because that's not going to oh, take you there. Oh, no. Not so okay. much. No, no. No, we had our live Google Translator. Uh, luckily, I spent time singing and living in Germany. The bass lived in Germany for a time. The soprano, or the mezzo, rather, uh, lived in Germany for a while. And one of their teachers lived in Stuttgart and taught in Stuttgart for actually... Or, it was a student in Stuttgart for five years. One of the Chinese One of their students. Chinese teachers. Ah, okay. Chinese so you teachers. actually did this all in German. So, yeah, we <laughs> we taught the master class in Beijing as Americans in German for Chinese. I, good luck in trying to figure that out. All right, no, no, no. So we would be singing an Italian song, or they would be singing an Italian song, Caramio Ben, or And whatever. you're explaining it in Deutsch. And <laughs> auf Deutsch gesprochen. <laughs> To the to the teacher, the teacher would tell them in Chinese. They would answer back to him in Chinese. He would tell us in German, and we would talk about it amongst each other in English about wow. an Italian song. Okay, yeah, that was. It took longer in translation than it did to actually sing the song in most cases. Wow. But our big thing to them was, we need to feel, not hear, but feel the right. expression with your voice. You need to act or perform or or show us with your voice how you sing it emotion and that was the thing that was the hardest thing to get across to them they do not sing or understand how to sing with westerners emotion but you know i find that even in a lot of western music now i mean i want to take for example mm -hmm. is what's the guy who's who's replaced freddie mercury with queen i forget oh right right you i don't know, know his name but i know you're talking about yeah. is and I've, I've heard him do it, and, and he'll start running scales right. or something. And it's, right. it's which I, I find just downright, it's, it's like public masturbation. I mean, it just, yeah, it's, I agree. It's, it's really like, 
that's great that you can do that, but that should be done in your own time. Right. But it's really interesting because if you watch Freddie Mercury do it, it's just pure emotion. That's right. I mean, it just, I, I, I right. just, I can feel every word yeah. and it just, it, it just, it washes over me and through me. That's right. That's and, the way it's supposed to be. And when this guy does, and I see this with a lot of newer Western singers where mm -hmm. they're really, really well-versed in technique. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I would say this guy's technique is as good as Freddie Mercury from a technical yeah. point of view. Exactly. But the, 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 the pathos, the emotion, the passion, it just, it just, exactly. I, I feel, I feel dry. I feel empty from it. And it just, and it seems like that's kind of what you're describing. That's, so I wonder that's if that's exactly it. even some of that, maybe even generational or um, is, is a generational and cultural. I'm not. No, I think it's more cultural in this okay. situation only because we actually spoke to the teachers. We, we went out with the teachers and they themselves, it, you could always tell which student belonged to which teacher. Okay. Because we heard the teachers sing for us after the students and it was like oh yeah you sound like that teacher that teacher and that ah, teacher okay, you okay. sound like this so we could tell exactly that's what i mean they could mimic so they could mimic the, the teachers but they could mimic the teachers they were sent recordings and they would mimic the recordings but they had not really understood it's not that they didn't hear it but they didn't understand the emotion behind it now let me ask you this is there much opera being written in chinese no okay so there no so it's strictly a Western culture still. Okay, so that's really one of the big challenges. I'm just curious if these students, if they were singing, did you ever get to hear them sing any Chinese material? Yes. Or was it still? Uh, it was still fairly dry. Okay. Yeah, okay. it was still fairly dry. We And we asked them to sing something in Chinese for us so that we could try to get them to express something. Okay, okay. With so pathos, did, with joy, right. with, and it still didn't cross that border. Okay, it just, it just, but again, keeping in mind, opera out of all of the arts, it's a combination, literally, the, what opera is, is a combination of all of the arts. So what you're doing is you're taking all of the emotions of all of the arts and pushing them to the farthest extreme of the envelope. You are taking pathos and pushing it as far to the right as you can. You're taking joy and pushing it as far far as you can to the left and it's that that stretching of that rubber band between the two where the tension is created and finally the release is created so in other words all your amps are turned up to 11 it's like taking your amp going to 11 plus and then dropping it down to negative two i mean it's just it's all over the space I, i'm just hoping this is the first interview ever about about opera where spinal tap was referenced oh I absolutely just, I, I bring hoping, it on I, I is this do you think this is maybe a first <laughs> it, I, I think it is we, i think we, it is. we've broken through a cultural barrier here. if it's not it should be okay <laughs> why not throw out the sex pistols come on let's bring them on so i'm just imagining nigel with his amp so <laughs> But mine goes to 11. It anyway. goes all the way. <laughs> a couple other things that I, I'm, I'm curious about is, well, one is, is so they were filming these these things. Is oh, there yeah. any place where yeah. people could see this? I, I have no idea. We, we asked for it, and they said, oh, we will, we will get you the information. Of course, once we got on the plane and went away, we never heard another thing. There was one special moment that, that I think is, and there was so much that happened. There was, mm -hmm. you were... After I think it was your major major performance, right? You were in a of all places a, a German beer <laughs> hall, which only I mean, really, where else would you be after this performance? It and was unusual. Yeah, you want to tell a little yeah, bit about what happened well, there? It was. Yeah, I know there were, there's layers to this one too. So. Oh yeah, it, as as there is when you go to China. We were told that we were going out for a a um, 
a big meal and a reception after the big show. The first one. And we're like, okay, great. We'll go. Well, will we have time to go back to our hotel room and change? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, that never happened. Um, are we going someplace nice? Oh, absolutely. Well, a beer hall. Um, are we going someplace close? Now, I have to ask you, did they have a polka band? Yes, they, they did. did. Were downstairs, they any good? Downstairs. No. Okay. Unfortunate, but no. All right. I no, just, they, I can't, they, I mean, you really can't call something a German beer hall without at I, least. I totally agree. I mean, and I've seen some pretty bad. I've seen like one guy with a keyboard. Yeah. yeah, yeah and he's yeah. still, they, they he's still, be good. he's still yeah. holding it down, you know. This so. guy didn't know how to hold a tuba. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can't, if you don't know how to hold your tuba, I'm sorry, you're just not going to make it. But no, it was interesting. Uh, seeing a bunch of Chinese men running around in Lederhosen. Okay. That, that, that's something special. That is really something special. So, yeah, it was downtown in kind of the high-end shopping district area of Beijing. You figure a beer hall or beer garden is going to be hmm, maybe outside, maybe on a first floor, so you have a beer garden in the back. Oh, no, we're on the seventh floor. You're kidding. They have I, a beer okay, garden, a beer garden and a brewery. That takes the seventh, eighth, and ninth floor. They just cut a hole out of the middle of so the building it, and put in a brewery. So were you outdoors? I mean, I mean, no, all behind glass, the whole thing. But then it's not a beer garden. Like that's, one, that's, one, I mean, would, I, I, one would, but they called it a beer garden, so therefore it's a Chinese idealized beer garden. Okay, okay, okay. But right. the good news is we were indoors. Which is probably better than being outdoors anyway. Bingo. You could actually breathe in there. All right, all right. Yeah. They had they had like 14 different kinds of wurst. They had five or six different kinds they of sauerkraut. Spitzel? They had spitzle. They had okay. the whole thing. But the one thing that I loved dearly was they had no idea what that little yellow stuff in jars were. Which is funny because have you ever eaten Chinese mustard? Oh, yeah. The, the really hot, spicy Absolutely yellow mustard. Absolutely burn your nose hairs which out. Which would be yeah. great. With it would be fantastic, food, yeah. Which is funny because of that. I would think that that would be. They had three different kinds of little jars of mustard and had no idea what it was. So we kept asking for the mustard and they had no idea. So we went back in the back and actually pointed. We want that. Yeah. Oh, this goes <laughs> with that. Well, they didn't know what it went with. Right, they right, knew right, it was right. mustard, but they didn't realize okay. it went with the divorce. They didn't realize you could take it, mix it in with the sauerkraut and actually yeah. eat it that way. They had never seen how it was done before. So we, out of nowhere, we're talking, laughing, having a great time. We didn't realize it, but... We're at these long tables like you have in Germany. You have a long table with 12 people on one side, 12 people on the other side, big wooden tables. Okay. And they're all over. Well, there's a big chairman's table off to the right, and we're figuring, okay, well, we're probably going to end up sitting up there. Oh, no, 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 no. You guys are the performers. That's for the communist chairman. So they had all the chairmans of all the districts. Also, oh, the Communist Party chair people get their own. Get they they get the they get the they get the head table basically okay. up on the dais, and then we're just down. You know, we're part of the riffraff. Uh, but we'd have a party chairman from one district at a table to the right, and we'd have another one to the table to the left. And each table had at least one district party chairman of some kind, but the main or the head chairman of of the party were up on the head table. So out of nowhere, everybody goes dead silent, stands up. Like, what's going on? Okay, that's well, it. Firing squad. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? What's going on? And in comes walking a dignitary. We had no idea who this guy was. Not really. And found out it was the president. We're like, okay, great. And through translator, you know, thank you for coming. Such a wonderful performance. Da -da -da -da. Turns around, walks out, and is like, what the hell was that? We just got sideswiped by the president. What the hell? What was that? Yeah. Yeah, that was it. 
That's pretty amazing, though, to actually get to meet the president of China. Yeah, I mean, that's that's. It was just random. We were like, "Well." I'm mean, just imagining Obama coming up to me in a beer hall somewhere, just going, "Hey, what's up?" You yeah, know? yeah. It was it was one of those kind of. He was at the performance. He was on the tenth row, and they had this entire section, the center section, twelve seats wide, two rows deep, with with ribbons on them, strictly for the dignitaries from the Communist Party and the president. Okay. Yeah, it was interesting. It was very interesting because everybody kept, you know, referring to the dignitaries that were there. And then you finally found out who the real dignitary was. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, how's it going? No. Mm-mm. Kind of a big deal. Kind, kind, of, a big kind deal. of a big deal. Yeah. So, so, did you actually get out to the countryside at all? We did. Okay, we what went was to, that like? It was gorgeous. It yeah. really was beautiful. Was um, it idyllic as it is? And I've seen some pictures and movies. I mean, just it looks really. It I mean, is, I know it's a huge, huge country. So. It is, and we saw we saw anything from Beijing, which is in the north, central, south, right. about three hundred fifty, four hundred miles. Oh, so so we went away. Okay. So we were in, we were basically on a fast train. We were on a bullet train, um, right. and we went south, and it stayed. Really murky in the air the entire time. Oh, even in the countryside. Even in the countryside. So we went down to the holy mountain, Tansham. This is where Confucius was. This is where Taoism was actually established, created and established. So we climbed the holy mountain. We took a tram. We didn't actually physically walk it. People were doing that. They were actually walking up the holy mountain. But this is where the emperors would go to find divine inspiration and actually be tapped, so to speak, as yes, you are the emperor, and then go back and rule their kingdoms. So we get up there, and this place is literally ancient. I mean, thousands upon thousands of years old, and they have basically where we would write, you know, Wanju was here. Right. They have that only in Chinese script, and it's huge. Wow. And each one of the emperors would go there, and he'd, he'd make his own, hey, I was here. Oh, okay. On the holy mountain. And then they'd have different temples all the way along the along the line. There'd be the temple to the Jade Goddess. There was one to the Goddess of the Heavens. There was uh, all these different little temples. There was Confucius's temple off on the side. There were 24, 25 temples altogether. And you get to go to each one and visit each one. Pretty wow. amazing. And the view, it's the highest, physically the highest mountain in China. And so you're literally at the top of the world as far as China is concerned. And when you get up there, I took pictures. I took panoramic pictures. You are just barely above the smog line. Wow. So you look down at all the other mountain peaks below you, and they're like islands sticking out of a brown sea of air. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Oh, but that's pretty amazing that you got to have that experience. Yeah, but it, it looks in that particular area... It looks a lot like Northern California geographically, okay. not tree-wise, not, not not with trees, but the actual ground looks a lot like Northern California's ground. The trees are more like Missouri or or uh, Arkansas with with just generally oaks and and uh, different forms of maple and different hardwoods. Oh, nice! But beautiful area. So, is there anything else that we we didn't cover that you want to touch on? on the, on the <sighs> Just, it's amazing. There is no such thing as a right culture or a wrong culture. It's just the culture that you grow up in. It's the culture that you know. It's the culture that you're comfortable with. 
there really does need to be a clearinghouse of all cultures before you go and actually try to negotiate or to live with the culture for any extended periods of time. I'm very comfortable in Western cultures. I can go to Italy and live there, Germany, France, Sweden, you name it. Anything in the Western culture, even, even, even central cultures, uh, the Eastern style, heading over to even parts of Russia or Lithuania, right. they're not that different. But when you go to a far Eastern culture, yeah, there's a culture shock. So it, it'd be anybody that would be traveling there and actually living there or dealing with a culture on a business basis, you definitely want to enculturate. You want to understand where they're coming from and how and why they ask the questions and why they do what they do. Though so it seems like a lot of that, because I know we talked before you went there right, a little bit. Right. and Which and, is very helpful, by the way. Thank oh, you. You're, well, and just so the listeners know, it's is... is uh, my husband's Chinese, so that's where the connection was. It wasn't that you just talked to me and I took two Mandarin classes and suddenly I had, had answers, but, <laughs> but I mean, it really is, is I, I think that even talking to somebody from the culture and having that connection, it still doesn't prepare you for the experience of when you get somewhere. I mean, it, it can exactly. give you a little edge, but I mean, there's still that. You know what to that, look for, but until you actually experience it, totally different. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it sounds like it was a pretty amazing experience. Yeah, yeah. it really was. Would so. I do it again? Absolutely, in a heartbeat. All right, well, if anybody's listening and wants... To, to book Ben, this is this is your chance. So. There you go. Now, if people want to contact you or, or, or sure. listen to your music or find out more about you, where, where are places they can uh, go? My name is Ben Bongers, B-E-N-B-O-N-G-E-R-S. And you can, I'm sure, find me on YouTube or any place online. Or you can email me directly. You can go to my website. It's BenjaminBongers.com. Uh, email me directly at BenBongersYahoo.com. Okay, so it's pretty accessible. Yep. All right. Any, any closing thoughts before we go? Anything that we didn't cover? Uh, not that I can think of. All's good. All right. Well, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. It was is uh, sounds amazing, and and I, I feel like I've just traveled on that trip with you, and and I think my throat is finally clearing up. So yeah, get on the plane. Let so. your let your throat clear out. <laughs> but it does it does sound like an amazing experience. Yeah, it was awesome. And and uh, it's pretty amazing that that you got to share that experience and be over there and oh yeah, and be in front of over a billion people. That's just yeah, it kind of blows your mind. Yeah, that, that's incredible. That's yeah. incredible because I, I can't imagine many Western performers who will ever be able to match that. No, and in a lifetime, in a lifetime, you'd never you'd never yeah. match that. Yeah. So well, thank you again. It's always a pleasure. Ah, thank and you. And we'll talk more soon. Great. Thanks. All right. Ah, that was fascinating. Thanks again to Eric Core and Ben Bongers for bringing us that excellent interview. I'm your host, Dan Sauter, from Music Live Radio. We will catch you next time.